Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 222 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Tani Laura, the sober sexpert, is giving a new meaning to dry humping. She is giving you all the tips and tricks to dating, relating, and hooking up without the booze with her new book entitled Dry Humping. On this episode, we dive into those tips and tricks and the role alcohol plays in our relationships and how to do those relationships booze-free and be successful right now. This is such a fantastic conversation. Let's get into it. Tani, what's going on? How are you, girl? Hello, my love. It's so good to see you. Uh, Yes, half awake. (laughs) It's like rainy, gross outside, but it's great to talk to you. And I cannot wait to talk about your book, Dry Humping. Like, fucking love that title. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is the best. I basically, that's how I describe like my high school life. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's dry hump. <laughs> it's funny because when I, picked this title I obviously yeah. picked the for the pun you know yes um but I it's funny that I hear stories like this where people talk to me about actual dry humping yes and I would have never ever that was not the plan I didn't think I was gonna hear <laughs> stuff like that and some people tell me like oh yeah dry humping is one of my favorite sexual activities I'm like great oh, I I what? love that for you like <laughs> I just didn't never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's it. how it is. You, you put something out in the world and people are going to, are going to respond to it. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And I love the term. I think it's so funny, but it is so, it's such an eye catcher, obviously like, come on, who wouldn't want to pick up that book and just be like, you know, a little ounce of curiosity. <laughs> what, what, what is this? But I love that, that you chose that title. Like that is perfect perfect for what you do and perfect for what you talk about so before we get into the book I would like to learn a little bit more about you and your relationship with alcohol uh before we get into your dry humping uh (laughs) (laughs) and it just give us kind of like a rundown of you know how you got to this place how you got to like you know publish your first book and and what um what can I get behind the scenes of like what your relationship with alcohol was like? Yeah, definitely. So I, I grew up in central Texas and I was a stereotypical party girl bartender. I, I bartended, I danced on the bar. I was usually a customer when I wasn't bartending. I, my whole life was in a bar Mm. and um, it, 
I I just I binge drank. I binge drank until I blacked out on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Okay. Um, and then, but the fact that I that alcohol was something that like I could take it or leave it, I was convinced I didn't have a problem. But mm. you know, like one, like it's <laughs> like I was like, well, I'm not I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink as soon as I wake up. I don't right. have a drinking problem because I don't I don't get as fucked up as that person does. You know, like I was really Yeah. I spent a lot of my drinking career, if you will, <laughs> um comparing my relationship with alcohol to other people's relationship with alcohol and mm-hmm. I think the problem with that at least for me was that while I was comparing it, I didn't see how problematic it was for what it was. Whoa. And like I think that I think like that's that's like I, I think one piece of advice that I would give anyone who's questioning their relationship with alcohol is don't compare your relationship mm-hmm. with it and um you do not have to hit rock bottom to to make a change you know yeah. I I did not hit a rock bottom um I I left the the bartending party girl world and I bought a one way ticket to New York City <laughs> nice. to um to try and make it as a writer you know as as yeah. one does and you know so i moved to new york june of 2015 and i quit drinking november 30th of 2015 so oh wow yeah i okay. i i didn't drink here a whole lot um i just had a few months and mm-hmm. i found that even when i moved here and I changed my circle. I was taking a lot of writing classes and yoga classes and just engage, spending time with like-minded folks who were work, like working on themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was where the, the shift started for me, where I would, I was hanging out with my new friends and I would be the weirdo at the bar buying a round of shots <laughs> <laughs> and my you were the writer, weirdo dead. Yeah. And like That's my funny. my writer friends would be like, Whoa, why are you buying shots? It's like Tuesday at five o'clock. They're very happy with their one glass of wine. Right. And you know, that was the first time that I that someone I think that I think that I saw my relationship with alcohol for what it was, like as a mirror. I was like, Oh, I don't drink like these people do. And Whoa! It, it it kind of it took some time for me to really unpack that. Um, but how I how did it make you, you know, feel? My- like how did it make you feel? Like you know, moving from a place where you know your drinking habits were like everyone else's, I would imagine, right? And then coming to New yeah, York, yeah, and kind of having this like reality check, like oh, what this is different like your relationship with alcohol is different like what do you mean we're not doing shots yeah what do you mean it was why not it was definitely it was embarrassing at first you know because I'm like I'm literally standing there with like four shots and these people are like not wanting to take them so Mm, okay that was that was uncomfortable you Mm -hmm. know and then I I didn't I didn't take it um, I, I get, I don't know if I put them back on the bar. I don't know. I don't remember what I did with them. Um, but that was, I think that moment was the beginning of the end of my drinking for me. Mm. And it, yeah, like I said, it was, it felt like a mirror. It really felt 
like because because no one questioned my relationship with alcohol before. Right. You know, because I'm hanging out with other bartenders and that's what we did. Right. And I'm hanging out with people that I met in a writing class and we are just getting a beer after after a workshop and talking about the writing and everyone's content with their one drink. And I wasn't. I wanted to fucking rage. Like, let's you know? go. Like, let's fucking go. go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's that's so interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, like a lot of stories, you know, I hear people drink to connect with others. Right. And it sounds like this group of people, you know, drinking wasn't a priority for them. Like their career, their craft, like focusing on, on themselves, like you said, bettering themselves. Mm-hmm was their priority. Yeah. And And it was like, wow, it was, it was just very different. And, you know, to this day, I still say like, I am not anti-alcohol. I, I, I'm, it's not for me. Yeah. I never learned how to have a healthy relationship with it. Um, if you, if you know how to have a beer and not become an asshole, like good for you. (laughs) Like I, I'm honestly jealous. (laughs) I don't know. Um, but it, you know, it was, it, it is what it is. Like I'm not anti-alcohol, but I will say yeah. I'm, I am anti big alcohol and alcohol culture. The pervasiveness of alcohol is fucking everywhere. And mm-hmm. you're a weirdo if you decide to not drink and mm-hmm. that I, I am anti that. Um, yeah. so yeah, I don't know why I just went on that tirade 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 it's all good <laughs> whatever it works it just felt right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i i love that you say that because i feel the exact same way you do like we're not here to convert anyone you know if you are looking for that like that can be arranged right on uh but yeah this is like we're here to have different conversations and open up the floor to different opportunities different possibilities um, because like you said, the drinking culture, talking about alcohol, being like fed this whole kind of fantasy of alcohol, um, is the normal conversation or has been up until this point has been the normal kind of conversation that people have been having. So like, yeah. I'm down to throw a wrench into it. Absolutely. And I'm yeah. I'm so glad that we have we now have so many different terms for you know for what we're talking about here. Like before yeah. it was either you're an alcoholic and you go to meetings or you drink. And that yeah. was that was it. Yes. And even when I quit drinking in 2015, those were the only options. So, Same. you know, we didn't have sober curious or mi- even mindful drinking. We didn't have any of those words back mm-hmm. then and i'm so glad that people have that now i think ruby yeah. warrington who coined the term sober curious literally changed the world by inviting all of these people into this conversation of like look you don't have to give up alcohol forever but let's just talk about like what is it like to be curious about your relationship with alcohol that's yeah. that's mindfulness that's being present that's being aware of what you're putting into your body and how how it impacts your body and mind. And there's so many people that are going to read Sober Curious and listen to her podcast that probably aren't going to go to an AA meeting. 
Right. And that's okay. Like, I, and I think that's actually really amazing that, that she tapped into these millions of people who, who want to reevaluate their relationship with alcohol, but just didn't know where to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's like, a, there's so many spaces and so many different ways to, to kind of, I guess not, I don't love the word label it, but like find what you identify with. Like I totally believe that sobriety is a spectrum. It's it's not mm-hmm. black and white. There are gray areas, there are shades of gray, right? And that can change as as you change, as you evolve. We're supposed to change. We're supposed yes. to evolve. Such this a is good evolution point. at its <laughs> finest, right? Like, yes, it's okay. Like maybe you identify with one term this week, maybe in a year you don't, maybe it's something else and that's okay. Yeah, it it really is. I, I, for me, I, I like labels. They, they work for me. I, maybe that's just because, you know, as, as a journalist, I like to know there's a name for something Sure. and I can, then I can research it <laughs> and yeah. that helps me that helps me figure out my relationship with that thing. Like, like coming to terms with the bisexual label was huge for me Mm. because I was able to read about being bisexual, follow bisexual people on social media. Like I finding a word that fits really helps me embrace who I am. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. I, I can see that for sure. What and some is, people don't want a label and that's totally, that's fine too. Yeah. I mean, I do you girl <laughs> at the end of the day, like <laughs> we got to do ourselves, right? Like we got to, yes. and like you said, the comparison game, you know, how you were comparing your drinking to other people. Comparison never works out for anyone. Mm-mm. It just doesn't ever. ever. Yeah. Like I, I did the same thing, right? Like I, I went to a couple AA meetings and I was just like, well, not as bad as they are. See ya, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's, it just doesn't work. Like it's not productive for anyone. Of course, do we all do it? Yeah, we do. You know, we're human. We can't help it. But to live there, to live in that kind of mode of comparison is so it's so unproductive because you don't know mm-hmm. what that other person is thinking. You don't know their life. How could you? Right? Like they look well, all maybe happy, hunky dory. Yes, and we yeah. all we all have different metabolism. Our bodies process alcohol differently. One yeah. drink for me might mean three drinks for you. Like right. it it varies on biology if you have if you're on medication like there's 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 just so much like you said gray yeah that if if you find that alcohol is hindering your life your relationships your job whatever just take a break cut back Mm -hmm. just you know like you don't have to label it you don't have to you don't have to do anything but i think just being aware is yeah. huge. So mature, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, that's what an adult, like to me, I've been really thinking about like, Hey, what does it mean to grow? Like, what does it mean to evolve? And what does it mean to like grow into yourself? What does it mean for you? 
I love that question to grow into myself. I like what you said about how, you know, evolution, we are always changing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think leaning into that and also accepting who we are, like Mm -hmm. as corny, as corny as that sounds, like I used to just voraciously read self-help books and like highlight them and like convince myself that I can be the best version of myself and like to the point of where it was borderline harmful. Yeah. And I had to actually stop reading self-help books and going to self-help seminars for a little bit because they were actually ways to be, I found ways to be mean to myself. Like you didn't accomplish this goal. You're a piece of shit. Or, you, you know, you didn't change this about yourself like you were supposed to. And it became harmful. Mm-hmm. So once I really reeled that in, got into therapy, got sober, you know, yeah. all, all of that, um, I really, I learned how to accept, ex- learned how to accept myself because I think like that can be the problem with some self-help books is that, or at least for me, it made me think that I needed to be someone else where mm. I now look at, look at these books and seminars and stuff like that is like I want someone to tell me that I'm great as I am today yeah and for me that was a huge part of of my growth of um accepting who I am Mm -hmm. and I guess learning the difference between what I can change you know like the serenity prayer you know it really is a serenity prayer um what do I need to accept about myself versus what are some toxic traits that I need to unpack with a mental health professional that yeah. will take years and years and years versus thinking I'm going to read a book and become this different person? <laughs> yes, I totally know what you're talking about. It's like we're almost <laughs> looking to. And I, I understand what you mean, because I sometimes do this with like spiritual healers or like energetic healers or like yeah. even like tarot readers or something like anything yeah. right like I think to a certain degree and I think this is completely natural that we're all kind of looking to be saved to some degree mm-hmm. you know I was for sure yeah and when you're looking to be saved that means that like deep down maybe something I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. You're not accepting something, right? Or you're not... You're not at at complete peace with yourself. I don't know if anyone is ever at complete peace with themselves. I mean, maybe we get like snippets and like little (laughs) snippets of peace. Yeah. Right. Like, great. Um, Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing like inherently wrong with you. 
Like you're not broken. No one is broken. You're not wrong. You're not right. You're not good. You're not bad. It's just like we have a little bit of shit that, that we can improve on because we've gone through some shit. Everyone's gone through shit. Everyone's had parents. Everyone has had parents (laughs) or some form of caregiver. Yeah. 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 There's, I I think that's really it. That's the acceptance that I'm talking about. And I I recently read this book, maybe you read it, The Perfectionist Guide to Losing Control. Ooh. It came out. I love um, that title. It's written by a therapist, Catherine, I want to say Schaefer, Schaeffler. Okay. Highly, highly recommend this book. And it was okay. one of those, it was one of those self-help books that it, I would say almost like an anti self-help yeah. book or even like its approach is like, you're great the way you are. Like there's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist. Right. Um, balance, balance is a lie. Things come in seasons. You're going to yes. be really obsessed over certain things and you're going to let some things go. That book made me feel better. You know, I didn't like, I didn't highlight a bunch of sections thinking that this is what's going to fix me. I was highlighting those sections thinking, oh, great. Like, I'm doing pretty good. Like, yeah. this is, I, 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 I like myself, you know? Uh-huh. And I think that's, I think that's the big shift is that I didn't like myself. And, yeah. and I, you, I think like spoiler alert, life hack, you have to find a way to love yourself. Yeah, totally. Cause it really affects, like, it's like a domino effect, right? Like how you think about yourself and how you operate about yourself, because I know this is a fact because I'm very hard on myself. I tend to be hard on other people, but it's because I'm hard on myself. So whatever's mm-hmm. going on inside gets projected outside. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com ASGG. Just how it Absolutely. Is. It is. So... Talk to me about dry humping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is a dating relating and hooking up without the booze. How, what was the inspiration behind this? Let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I initially spent years writing this book as a memoir. Okay. uh, About my personal experience with um, dating, relating and hooking up. 
sober, you know, since I quit drinking, spent years writing it, workshopping it, getting feedback, edits, you know, all of the things and realized that in the process of writing a memoir, there's a lot that I want to keep private. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of my life that I don't want to share. And but but I was still very obsessed with the topic of of the role alcohol plays in sex and dating and relationships. Yeah. So I pulled myself out of the story, put on my journalistic hat, and I just did a bunch of research. You know, I yeah. I interviewed dozens of people, um, you know, mental health professionals, doctors. I interviewed neurologists to learn about what alcohol does to our brains and how that impacts us. Yeah. Are you know, uh, when we're on dates or, you know, when we're particularly relying on liquid courage, I interviewed sober people, sober, curious people. I interviewed people who still drink, but were very mm. open about the role that alcohol plays in their love lives. And yeah. I really wanted this book to be approachable for which is why i wanted it to have like a light-hearted name like dry humping like yeah because this is a heavy topic sober sex and dating is a very heavy topic but i want someone to walk by the walk walk in a bookstore see a funny title laugh and then be like oh okay like we're gonna we're gonna go there but she's gonna make me laugh while we do it yeah (laughs) you know entertain that that was the goal you know and like this is the book that I needed when I was newly sober and I was Googling sober dating, sober sex, and there was nothing, yeah, um, nothing out there. There is a fabulous book that I definitely recommend called Sex and Recovery by Jennifer Matesa, um, where she writes about it's she writes about sober sex through a 12 step lens. Okay. So that was definitely super helpful and a big inspiration for this book. So I just, I, I think I just expanded the conversation to include all different types of people, whether they're working a program or not. Yeah. Whoa, that is so cool. And like, you're so right because our relationships, not just like based on sex, but relationships in general, definitely change in sobriety, hundred percent the way we, we relate to others, the way we try to find ways to connect are completely different because for a lot of us, alcohol was the binder. That mm-hmm. was what got the party started. Right? Absolutely. And, so it's like, and what do you do? Like, what do I do with my hands? Like, what do we turn the lights <laughs> off? I don't know. What the hell? Literally, it, it really is starting over from scratch. Yeah. And that's how it was for me. And that's okay. how I learned that it was for many, many people that I, I interviewed. Um, like, you know, I say I pulled myself out of the story. There's still, I, I share some of my story in there, um, to, as you know, as the through line of the book, but it's more, it's more to keep the momentum going as opposed to the Tawny story, (laughs) you know, like, um, because I, I wanted to, I wanted to hear from just different perspectives because like I said, I like. I like knowing that I'm not alone and struggling with something. So this yes. project really helped me uh, maybe forgive myself for mm. forgive and accept myself because I'm like, oh, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone is struggling with this. And mm-hmm. that's some of the great feedback that I've received on this book. If for like, 
from people who drink alcohol. That is the biggest compliment. Someone who drinks alcohol tells me that they felt seen in this book. That that means the world to me because I wanted it to be a cultural conversation, not just a recovery conversation. Right. Wow. That's so cool. Um, so asking you personally, you're from your personal experience, <laughs> um, what did, what were like some of the first steps you took in like, you know, being newly sober and then also on the dating scene? Can you walk us through maybe some of the, yeah the things that you personally did? Yeah, I, I learned it was <laughs> sober dating was very humbling okay. where I learned that I had no idea how to date. Okay. I learned that, like I said, most of my relationships began in bars. Mm-hmm. So they would be drunken hookups that would sometimes turn into relationships. Okay. Or they'd be one night stands or we would move in together, you know, oh, but Jesus. I, I was not, I, I, I never really experienced the courting process of right. getting to know people over a dinner or going to the movies or I I didn't know how to date. I had no idea. So like I said, it really was starting from scratch. And something that I learned in in my own recovery is, you know, this term called arrested development, where when you start when you start self-medicating at a certain age. So like me, I started drinking and doing drugs at 15. Yeah. Um, When your brain is still developing, your 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 losing so much brain capacity and neuroplasticity from from basically outsourcing your feelings to something to drugs mm. alcohol eating disorder gambling what whatever it is yeah. you, if you if you don't learn how to deal with something you're it is you you're in something called arrested development where your development is in an arrested state static So the reason the reason I share that is because I got sober at 29, but I had the brain of a 15 year old, you know, and yep. And that that was mind blowing to me to learn about that. Um, But again, that also helped me forgive myself and give myself some grace of like, okay, you didn't have the tools when you were younger. You went through some shit and you started self-medicating. Now you have the tools and you're trying, you know. So, and the reason I share all of that is because, you know, I got sober at 29, but like I'm going on dates and I'm so freaking awkward. I don't know how to engage in conversations without alcohol. And it was really scary. And this was, this was like 2015, 2016 dating apps were definitely a thing, but not what they are now. (laughs) Not like now it is almost weird if you meet someone IRL. Yeah. So I, I, I was like organically. Yeah. Like that's, it, that's an anomaly these days, but I, I was definitely on the apps here and there, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the same way. So it was okay. just a little bit different. Um, So like, you know, I would meet people in classes, workshops, um, self personal development seminars, like that, kind of, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was, yeah, it was just, it was awkward. And, right. and I had to, like the first chapter of my book is called dating yourself for that yeah. exact reason, because 
I was so uncomfortable on dates <laughs> that I was like, okay, maybe I'm not ready to date yet. Maybe yeah. I need to like figure out who I am. And I'm not the first person to say this. This is literally like, you know, in, in 12 step, you're, you're not supposed to date or have sex for the first year of your recovery because early sobriety is so bumpy. It is so mm -hmm. messy and you've got to work on your relationship with yourself first. Right. So the chapter one is really just my version of that. It's okay. spending time alone, learning to take care of myself, going to therapy, um, dealing with the uncomfortable feelings that arise instead of drinking when they mm -hmm. made me, when my feelings felt uncomfortable. That's the kind of stuff, like when I say dating yourself, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's okay. not just like self-care bubble baths. Like, yeah, that's great. Right. But I'm talking about like, you have to do like a significant amount of work on yourself before you bring someone else into that relationship. Okay. Woof. That's my mic yeah. drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's scary. If yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, you know, I could imagine someone listening to this and being like, wow, that sounds terrifying and so boring. I'm out. Right. Like, yeah. why would I want to do that? And I mean, I, I get think it. And that that is a totally valid question. And I think, you know, my answer would be, you know, there you can life is hard and you can you can pick pick your level of difficulty, you know, like yeah. a video game here. Yeah. So it's like, you know, getting sober or being sober curious and going to therapy and feeling your feelings is really hard and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of unpleasantness with that, but there's also a lot of really magical moments mm -hmm. that that outshine all all of the shit totally. and you, but you can also just keep keep living your life the way that it's going and maybe alcohol will continue to drive the bus maybe you'll keep getting in these shitty relationships maybe you're going to keep getting stuck in these dangerous uh cycles of self-destruction you know that's also hard so if someone is listening and they're wondering that i would just encourage them to figure out which level of difficulty they want to proceed with Ooh. that is a mic drop <laughs> and i'm out bye yeah. and we're done uh no and, and that's so right you know like none of this is is easy it's just not but it's like you get to choose your level of of uncomfortableness or toughness mm -hmm. or like whatever you want to call it like Discomfort. Pick yeah. your level of discomfort. Your level of that's more. Articulate. I like uncomfortableness, though. I think uncomfortableness. That's <laughs> I don't know. It feels like when you say uncomfortableness, like you can actually feel how uncomfortable it is because it's yes. also uncomfortable to say. So just really wraps it all up in one word. <laughs> I'm in. Let's change yeah. it. Uncomfortableness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I actually got a comment from like someone listening that like. That's not a real word. Stop saying that word. I'm like, well, it is now. Deal with Who it. Who cares? Like, yeah. just say say what you want. Say what you like, want to say. They can un they can unfollow you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It it listen. People are doing it though. I'm living proof. You're living proof. Yeah. 
we're doing the work and it's great. Some days, not so great. Some days, totally tougher than others. But like for the most part, I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm like, oh my God, this makes total sense. Like learning about yourself is Mm -hmm. like the coolest thing ever because then you can actually give yourself what you need and want. Yeah. Like what? Why wouldn't you want to give that to yourself? And that's, that's such a great way to reframe it. It's like, yes, everything we're talking about is hard. Like it can be really, really difficult. Sobriety is not all rainbows and sunshine. It's especially early sobriety. It's going to bring up a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but when that stuff comes up and you, you, you you gather these tools and you put them in your tool belt, Mm -hmm. it gets easier. Whereas if you stay on this self-destructive trajectory, you're not, you're not picking up any tools at all. So it's, it's going to stay difficult. You're going to, you're going to have some sort of, you know, come to Jesus moment at some point. So you might as well give it to yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming whether you like it or not, but also like, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be terrifying. Yes. It's life-changing, but in, I think in the best possible way, honestly, it's like, they say, Straight you know, up. sobriety will give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I think you and I are 100% testimonials for that. I mean, I never yeah. thought that I would have written a book or that the internet would call me the sober sex expert or you would have a top sobriety podcast. I mean, like, yeah, who like, knew? Look at all us. of this. Like when you like when you really boil down to where we are today, mm-hmm. it's kind of silly. And it's like, all I did was stop drinking and all of this yeah. stuff happens, you know, yeah. like it's kind of miraculous. Yeah. I mean, definitely I would say stopping drinking was the gateway to kind of like unlocking patterns and like acceptance mm-hmm. that I have been literally keeping in the dark for so long because I think I knew I kind of knew they were always there, but if I actually ex- like acknowledged and accepted, you know, what I was doing, like what my patterns were, what my my methods of like self-destruction were, um, then I would have no choice but to do something about it. Or am I gonna be that girl that is aware of these this shit? but chooses just to complain mm-hmm. and like glaze over it for the rest of my life and be like so many people in my life that I can't stand. And it drives me. I was nuts. just going to, I was just going to say, if anything, just yeah. imagine, like I was, I, in sobriety, I wonder, I'm like, wow, how was anybody friends with me? I was, I was so toxic. I, I created my own problems and then complained yeah. about them. I purposefully allowed these terrible people to come into my life and hurt me. Mm -hmm. And then I would complain about it. Like, obviously I like, you know, I'm not saying that like I was asking for anything, but I I did not like myself. So I just took any, any, I took just these little breadcrumbs of attention and validation and satisfaction. And as soon as those started to flutter away, then I would crumble. And it was just, Mm. I was so unstable. 
I didn't I didn't know how to regulate my emotions. And that, you know, one of my best friends is a therapist. And he he told me he was like, you know, on the first day of of therapy school, they tell you most of the problems you're going to encounter are people who do not know how to regulate their own emotions. And Mm. that always stuck with me because we're not taught that in school. Maybe your parents will teach you, maybe, yeah. but we don't know how to cope with these really uncomfortable emotions and feelings. So we do things like drugs and alcohol and yeah. sleep around and gamble and develop eating disorders because they help, they, they numb. Yeah. Yes. They numb something right. that feels uncomfortable. When if someone could have just sat me down and said, okay, this is a panic attack. This yeah. is very normal. Here, here are five things you can do to feel better. Yeah. That would have been a total game changer for me. Yeah. Or like, you're not crazy. You're not like out of this world for even having these feelings. Yeah. Like this is very common. Yeah. You're not alone. I, yeah. I didn't, but I didn't even have the language to explain what I was feeling back then. You know, I, I just knew. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like what was going on. So I didn't even know how to ask for help. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I've noticed. And like so many people like don't even know what they're feeling or how to articulate how they're feeling. Um, Because they've been so used to wanting to change that feeling right away, as opposed to like leaning in and being like, wow, why am I angry right now? Or why am I, why is this certain situation bringing up such intense emotions or intense like feelings and making me want to react, you know, very emotionally? Why why do I think that that's even happening? Or we're like just taking a beat, mm-hmm. but we're so used to being like, oh, you're sad. Cool. Let, let's try and make you happy. You got to be yeah, happy. Let's go. Let's get a drink. Let's forget yeah. all about this. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, just eat ice cream. It makes you happy. Just do it. You should just do it. Instead yeah, because of being, being like, sad oh. is the worst thing in the world, yeah. right? Like, and sad I think that's, and lonely. Those that's something that talk. I had to, I had to learn how to let myself be, just be sad. Like we have to yeah. feel these rain. We have to feel sad and anger and resentment. And uh, we have to feel all of this stuff. And again, we were not taught how to feel all of that. And it can be really, really overwhelming. One of the many many reasons why we say early sobriety and even sober curiosity can be so hard is because if you've been, if you use alcohol to, to regulate your emotions, when that thing is gone, you're left with yourself. And Mm -hmm. it, that's, that is where the difficulty begins but like i said you gather these tools and resources and people that care about you and want to help you get better yeah totally and also just like like you said self-acceptance like Mm -hmm. oh i'm feeling sad today there's no apparent reason and that's okay (laughs) here we go exactly and i know and it's like and things like like the weather (laughs) like you're in like it's rainy and overcast and you're it it really affects your emotions right like totally we have to know how to deal with that yeah and like also not 
beat myself up about it. Like, so what? I want to crawl into my like bedroom of a cave and just like do my work from there, or maybe not even do my work, or maybe just take a couple hours and have a freaking nap. You know, I did that last week. I had a, I had a rough day and I canceled everything on my calendar. I, I, I canceled or rescheduled and I just slept and my body and mind were so grateful. (laughs) They were Mm -hmm. so happy. I woke up and I felt way more refreshed and I just took it easy that night. You know, like we, we put so much pressure on ourselves. I think, especially women Mm -hmm. that we really just, we got to slow down and just let ourselves catch up. Well, yeah. And like also PSA, like I personally don't want to like interview someone or like try and do something with someone who is just not into it. Mm -hmm. I totally understand. Like if you are exhausted or need time to yourself, go, go and do it because you're not going to be, you're not going to show up. You're not going to be you know, who you want to be in that certain situation. You're not, you're, then you're, you're just starting the cycle over again. Right. Cause you're like, oh, I was tired. Or you come up with these excuses and then you go into this like shame spiral. It's like, oh, well, I, I, I should have done this or I should have done that. Or like, I should have said this or like, mm-hmm. just take the break. Take the break. And I everything, promise everything's going to be you're- fine. Not going it, it really will. And whoever, whoever yeah. you're canceling on will probably be like, sweet I can take a nap today (laughs) yeah right then you give them time to like take a nap or like yeah you just freed up up an hour of someone else's time now and they're they're gonna be really happy about that and you know it's it really is the whole you know uh put your oxygen mask on first kind of thing yep like you you cannot do you can't do anything well if you're not taking care of yourself so no. Whatever that means for you, if like if you're listening and you're like, I really need to take care of myself, do that thing. Like do that yeah. thing today. Yep. Go figure out what you need and what you want to take care of yourself and do it. Mm-hmm. Do it today. Love it. Uh, Tani, where can we find you on the World Wide Web and how can we get a hold of Dry Humping, your new book? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said World Wide Web. <laughs> um, so you can just log into your AOL browser. Yeah. And you can, what, remember, ask Jeeves. Oh my just God. Go- ask Jeeves. Bring Jeeves back. Yeah. How is, how is he? When you, you know what? He <laughs> rebranded himself as Chat GPT. That, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Ask Jeeves 2.0. Um, Yo. <laughs> <laughs> so just yeah type dry humping into ask jeeves and you'll okay. you'll find my book you can get it um on you know online you can get it in bookstores all of the things it officially launches september 19th nice um so pre-orders are super 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 important to the publishing process and pre-orders from a local bookstore are very important to your local community. Mm. So highly recommend that. Um, 
And uh, I'm also I'm recording an audiobook in two weeks. So cool. if reading a physical book is not your jam, you can pre-order the audio and you'll hear dry humping in your ears. <laughs> like music to your ears. <laughs> Literal music to your ears. Yeah. And I I also have a a weekly advice column for uh it's all about sober sex dating and relationships people send me questions yeah it's called beyond beyond liquid courage so um i would love listeners please send me questions we always need questions for this Mm -hmm. um anything about alcohol-free sex dating and relationships we covered in beyond liquid courage amazing and you can sign up uh for that on your website which is yeah uh, yeah, just tawnylara.com and find me on all of the social medias at Tawny M. Lara. Perfect. Amazing. Tawny, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us. I really, really appreciate it. It's been so much fun and I can't wait to get my paws on a copy of Dry Humping. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. How friggin' hilarious is Tawny? Oh my gosh, I just love her. I love the title of her new book and I cannot wait to read it. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, leave your feedback about the podcast. We'd love to hear your comments. And of course, sharing is caring. If you have a friend, family member, loved one who needs to hear the message in this podcast or any other episodes today, please send it along. Share the episodes because we want to keep the message going and help as many people as possible. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and head over to asobergirlsguide.com where we got your back at any stage of your booze-free journey. From the Sober Girls Social Club to group coaching to our self-paced worksheets and downloads, we got your back at any stage of your booze-free journey. Head to asobergirlsguide.com now. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. 